Because, you know, I'm always online praising and thanking God because God has done so many magnificent things for me and he's done so many magnificent things for my family. And I will tell you this. I got a lot of windmilling from some of the church folks. Because they was like, don't Mm. you be taking God. I'm like, honey, don't you know that God is in all things? Mm. He's he's in the air that you breathe. He's in them cuss words that you say under your breath about your church, sister. (laughs) He's in that fried chicken that y'all have at the service. He's in all things, honey. And in all things, he must be acknowledged. And he is also in the strip club over the girl with the G-string on. He's also over the house mother that's over there asking for protection for those men to come in and make it rain on the girls. And he's also over our credit scores and we need an 840 in this day. Honey, BBB, I shot I'm Anika Noni Rose, and this is Being Seen, an in-depth exploration of culture's role in resolving the tensions between how we are seen and how we see ourselves. Focused on Black women, Being Seen is a space to explore culture with leading artists, writers, activists, and entertainers. If we create nuanced and accurate cultural portrayals of identity and experience, we have an opportunity to reduce stigma and change perception, impacting everything from HIV to institutional inequity. I started this episode thinking that Maddie and I were going to be talking about laughter because she is funny. But it became so much more than that because laughter is more than just what is funny. It's a healer, it's a tool, it's a weapon. It's a commentary, a convener, and an educator. Maddie strives to make us laugh so that we can understand, so that we can empathize, so that we can expand our versions of who gets to be protected, valued, and loved. Now, she didn't exactly say this, but I think when Maddie laughs and makes us laugh, it's one of the spaces in which she feels closest to God. She's reminding us of how vulnerable, complicated, and absurd our existence can be. And that's her assignment. That's what she's been put here to do. Lift us up, bring us higher, break down the walls that separate us. And it's really quite brave to expose oneself in the way that she has, to be willing to take, make, and be the joke so that we can find each other in the laughter, in the intimacy, in some really big T.S. Madison kind of joyful love. Well, listen, it, it, I'm sure it's clear to our listeners at this point that the main focus of this episode is laughter. Oh, yes. Um, Something you are very much a queen of in so mm. many ways, mm. both causing in others, but also just when you do it to yourself. There are mm. literally YouTube videos of you online with tens of thousands of views that are just you laughing. Yes. What has laughter been for you? Uh, laughter has been uh, something so therapeutic for me because I've been through so much in my life. And mm. I, you, if 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 you run into a really good comedian, a really good comedian will tell you that you have to take the hardships and the pain and you have to laugh at it and and make other people laugh at it to 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 really show 
that you have taken control over it. And there are so many moments in which that I have almost lost my life. So many moments of which I've I've felt that I failed at something. So many moments that that were so hurtful and stuff for me that I had to be able to take those pieces of that and 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 I I, I had to live through comedy with it. And I have to laugh at it. Because the only way that I know that I have full control over that and it does not it does not rule my life is that I could laugh at it. Like, oh you 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 thought you was gonna beat me, honey. Let me tell a joke and make a whole lot of money off of it. You know? There's so many stories that that I that people that I tell people that they laugh at now that I thought that I wasn't gonna make it out. Mm. But I found the underlayers of even though sometimes it's dark humor and it's dark coming, I just I found a way to to break through that and to be able to tell the story because I've learned that through comedy you can teach. You can you can teach through comedy. You can you can educate through laughter. And sometimes a person might not want to hear a sob story. They don't want to hear it. It's just like, oh, here go mm. another. Here's another sob story. Now, here's a story that was that was hurtful and sobful to me. I'm gonna make you laugh at it, but I'm gonna let you know that it's real and it's a real thing that's going on outside. Which we, we look at my prayer in Zola, and me being the house mother Hollywood and praying. However, if you really go in a deep context of that, you really look at. We want to be protected, even in the sex work industry. We want to be protected. We want God to, to protect us. We want God to bless us with the with the money because these are the cards that we were dealt in life, and these are the this is the spaces that we're occupying. We still need God in those spaces. And the prayer, yes, it might have been funny, and it might have been like you know the the the, the meat in the part of the story, but it really brought the story together. Like that, God was really over Zola's over Zola's life. He was really protecting her through that sex trafficking, through her working in the strip club, through he was there in the midst of all of the and all of the things. And mm-hmm. that's really what people if if people really look at it, they laughed at the prayer because it was funny. But it was you, truly funny. It was it's funny. But if you look at it, I call down the Heavenly Father for for the protection Mm -hmm. of all the things. And don't I would say that, you know, people don't like to think of God being in a strip club, God Mm -hmm. being in a whorehouse, Mm -hmm. God being in a crack house. Mm -hmm. But were God not there, so many people would not have made it. Yes. So many people that we love, that we care for, that we that we have been saved by, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. would not have made it were God not in that space. So I appreciate that um, awareness and that keen intelligence that you have that uh, that allowed that to be funny, <laughs> but also real, because she had to make it through the rest of that movie. She did. Laughter is a tool. It brings us in and underscores the things we wish to have meaning. And like most tools, it is only as good or bad as the intention of those who wield it. Where we direct our laughter, where we ask it of people, can heal and it can bring great harm. 
And that's a responsibility. Power of laughter. So you took me into how laughter can be a tool. Laughter can be a tool to heal, but laughter can also be weaponized. Um, Mm -hmm. What has your experience been with that? How have people either healed or harmed you? Um, Well, I can speak from a place of of myself being a healer through laughter, uh, like talking about uh, the issues that I faced uh, when I was in sex work or when I was, you know, in those dark places, I can always bring an understanding to people to tell people like, you know, because like I said earlier, there might be people that might be people that don't want to listen to those types of stories. Mm-hmm. But if I'm over there telling a joke, baby, child, let me tell you how when I got in the car with the man, honey, and he rolled the windows up and locked the doors. Girl, he rolled the windows up and locked, you know, so I'm, t- I'm taking you on a journey with me, you know, but through mm. comedy, but this really happened. Child, that man drove 135 miles an hour up, 75, girl, honey, and tried to push me out the car. He asked me to show the pink, and I stuck my tongue out. I said, baby, that's all the pink you can see. You know, people laughing, but I'm telling you the story. Like, he he was saying, you know, you, you, I need to, you need to have a vagina in order for me to continue the situation. I got mm-hmm. in the car risking my life. Like, I could take you on an entire journey through that, and then people, like, really get it, like, Oh, this this is you did these things in a survival mode. Yeah, it's funny now, but this is just something you were doing in, in out, out there in the world trying to survive. And so now I understand it better. I have a better instead of me looking at you like trash, I look at you as a survivor now. Because, you know, this is what you needed to do in order to navigate through, you know, the cars that you were dealt. Then you have people who would would make a joke about a trans person saying that, you know, or, or trying to liken all of us LBGT people to p- pedophilia or or trying to align us up with um, uh, AIDS and, you know, things like that. Like, that's when it becomes weaponized. Like, it's not, it's, it's no longer uh, occupying a funny space. You're using this as a weapon and you're really pushing a stereotype uh, that becomes like an, an agenda, um, you know, f- towards a community that you don't understand. The cruelty of making fun, of laughter, when it is disconnected from consequence, when it's untethered from the physical and lives online. The internet has been a space of great violence towards black women. The jokes, the ridicule, the idea that our very presence makes anything permissible and the ways in which we are unprotected. So how have you balanced having such a big, vibrant online presence without overexposing yourself to the harm that can come from people's comments, opinions, jokes, etc. Because we all feel things, you know, even when we have a witty uh, comeback or, or a smart turnaround, because clearly you move with intelligence and, and speed. Um, how, do you, how do you combat that? Because you're still a person who feels. Uh... How do you... Keep from putting yourself too too much in that space to, to 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 have too many hits coming at you. Well, you know what, sister, I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, I'm still learning how to navigate through that, and mm-hmm. I've been a, I've been an online figure for about for 15, 16 years. Like when the internet was really started popping, like right during the MySpace time, I've been online for a very long time, and I've been. Uh, open about who I am and open about my life and so open that people think that they 
they they really really know you and they think that they can take some of the the things that you've been vulnerable about you know in your life and they think they can weaponize that against you and so i had to understand that all right maddie you've told these people a lot of your business and you've also been very transparent about who you are what you are how you move um these people have seen your lows they've seen your highs they've seen your wins they've seen your losses and you can you can't internalize the way that they want to weaponize some of the things that you've shared with them and you got to understand that a lot of people out there that are watching you that have latched onto you whether they are your followers for love or they follow you because they hate you they're following mm. you because there's something about you that inspires them the ones that the ones that love you and the ones that hate you there's something about you that it, that inspires them and so sometimes instead of people being able to clap for you they will they will clap at you you know mm-hmm. and they'll try to use these things and so i've had to tell myself in the mirror girl you told him that girl you showed him that like like the insecurities that i've had like like i have hyperpigmentation on on parts of my face or and or i have dark marks and stuff and i've showed like hey this happened to me i've been i've i've had under the table i've talked about me having under the table uh silicone injections and i've showed the injection spots and you know showed the girls like where where i've been stained and you know sometimes that'll come back up oh that's why your body messed up that's why you this and the other that's why this is going on and then you know it'll hit me sometimes like you don't and then i said girl you told him that though but I have to remember the reason why I shared that to people. I have to remember the reason why I've been transparent uh, with people. And this is what helps me not really go off the deep end all the time because my initial reasoning for being transparent and for sharing, you know, the ups and downs of my life is so that somebody else can benefit from it and and won't mm-hmm. take some of the paths or make some of the wrong decisions that I made. And so I have to tell myself, Madison, you did this stuff from a good place and you can't let you can't let those people really get under your skin like that. Eat them up a little bit and don't stay there. That's difficult though because just, you know, just as you are telling your jokes and you're telling your stories and they are funny. Mhm. They are also at real. the time were a space of real fear, and you were petrified in that space. You mm-hmm. didn't know if you were going to make it. So there's people tend to forget online when talking to somebody, particularly somebody who is exquisite in a clapback. <laughs> they tend to forget that there are feelings behind the hands. You know that this person is living and has lived. Um, an extraordinary life that has taken them to the space that they that they are in. Um, so thank you for surviving. Thank you. Laughter is an intimacy and is often best shared. Laughter and joy. Let's talk about sex and laughter. Aye. 
when is it appropriate to laugh in the bedroom? All or the time. Or whatever room you happen to be in. All the time. <laughs> it's always appropriate to laugh in the bedroom, girl. I have so many laughing stories, honey. I don't even know if, the, if you probably have to bleep some of this stuff out, okay? So where is laughter then? Is it is it is there a role for laughter in intimacy, within intimacy, within yeah. sex? And what do you think that role is? The role is it's role playing and it's funny. Like li- listen, I've been everybody in the bedroom when I've been doing the dark arts of sex, honey. I've been Linda Carter, aka Wonder Woman. Honey, I've been uh a superhero. Um, I've said some crazy lines, like uh, one of my most favorite movies is uh, a cult classic, Jackie's Back. It's Jennifer Lewis's movie, Jackie's Back. Oh my God, I love her. Jackie's Back. And she said, you want some fried rice with that baby? And so when I walked in the bedroom, I had on this little negligee and the man said, oh my God, master, you're so sexy. I said, you want some fried rice with that baby? And we just fell out laughing. I'm just full of the foolishness, Anika. I'm just like really full of foolishness. And I think that even in the face of danger, I I am going to bust out laughing because I don't know how to be anything else but funny. Well, I would take that further. And I would would say in listening to you and getting to know you just a little bit, you're not just funny, but that you have a base of joy. Mm. And that that is the way that you have made it through the world and that is the thing that will keep you lifted. Yes. You know, in times of fear, in times of COVID and all of the things that can happen and um, having a base of joy is um, is in itself, it is a gift, first of all, because you can't really, people can cultivate it, but it's something also, if you're born with, it's a gift. But it's it's a survival tactic as well. And in this time of COVID and all these things that we're going through, Having a base of joy will will get you through so much. Yes, you know. Yes, because I just experienced the COVID and uh, uh, going through it, I really thought that me and my mother and, and I'm vaccinated, fully vaccinated, and my mm-hmm. mother is not. And I thought that we weren't going to really like make it out, especially um, how severe did it got? Because I think the the variant we had the variant, and it was like really bad, mm. and. Um, I knew it was bad, and I told this joke. I said, girl, I knew it was so bad because I couldn't smell my own ass. And everybody fell out. You see how you just fell out? I said, I couldn't smell my own (laughs) ass. My my sense of smell was gone. I couldn't smell my own ass, and I couldn't smell my mama's white diamond. So I knew that I was really sick. Oh, that is the last thing somebody's thinking about when they say you lose your sense of smell. People are sad that they can't smell a Pop-Tart or some coffee in the morning, and here you come. I couldn't smell my ass. <laughs> I didn't realness. know what was going on. Yes, it was really <laughs> foolish, and I couldn't smell my mama's white diamond, die. You, you know you can smell oh, white diamond. Goodness. You can smell white diamonds two blocks and two years over. <laughs> <laughs> The assignment is laughter. Well, listen, you don't really... There's no way to categorize you in terms of the range of things that you have 
been involved with over the course of your career. Mm-hmm. You're a, a former adult fi- film star, mm-hmm. the first African-American trans woman to host a mainstream talk show. Mm-hmm. You are a producer, reality TV star, writer, mm-hmm. LGBTQ activist, mm-hmm. film actress, music artist, mm-hmm. YouTube personality. Hey. Do all of this... Yeah, I I could keep going, right? Uh-huh. You, you said mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh-huh. hey, Because there's hey, more. Hey, <laughs> Through all of this, you have been able to engage with millions of people mm-hmm. being one of their only introductions to the trans community and in some cl- cases, the uh, the queer community. What have these experiences taught you about the power of your position and the responsibility that it brings? How do Ooh. you how do you and how do you balance that with simply being yourself, with just being Maddie? Well, here's the thing. What it has taught me is that, uh, you know, to not doubt myself. And it also has taught me that the great, that I have a greater responsibility. Get it out, sister. Get it out. Shake it out. Shake I'm so it. I'm sorry. It's all right. I'm shake so it, sister. Shake. Call, call, sister. Go. Go. Sorry. <laughs> but what it has taught me is that I, um, let me be real. There are people who go through this world and they never know what their purpose is or they never really find out uh, why they're, why am I walking this earth? I have to say that moving forward in the, in the trajectory of my life, the way it's going now, uh, I'm really understanding my purpose. And by me being all of those things that you named out and more, I understand that none of that is for me. None of it. All of the things that's been given to me, all the things that I that 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 I that's that I've gotten, it's none of it is for me. It is it is for the betterment of something bigger than me. It's for the introduction to something that's bigger than me. And because I ain't nobody, girl, I went to car I I got through maybe a, a year and a half of college. Um, honey, got turned out on the streets, left the streets, work jobs. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not anybody. And for me to be um, given so many great positions and and working, moving into so many different uh, arenas, you have to really understand that that it has nothing to do with me. One thing, it, one thing I've learned about God and about what God uh, does with things, God will take something that people feel is so minuscule and so dirty and so filthy and polish it off and make it so bright and set it right on the shelf because that is what he he wants people to see. That is his purposes. It is his design. It is his intention for that. Because me, just being me, I'm like, I'm just the next door neighbor. I'm just a girl... I'm just a squirrel in this world trying to get a nut. Like, you know, I'm just... But when you really look at how all these things have happened for me, it has been nothing but divinity. And so I understand that it's bigger than me, and I understand that I didn't really want that for me. That's not something that I wanted in the beginning. I wanted to just be... I just wanted to have a lot of money and be a normal person. But now... I have to watch a lot of the things that I say because it might affect an entire community. 
have to watch the things that I do because it could just jeopardize the the mission of an entire set of people. And so that's heavy. That's a heavy thing. Like that is a heavy thing because, and I didn't want it. That's not what I went out in the world seeking. I didn't want that. I just wanted the coin, honey. I wanted the coin and I wanted to live comfortable. But all of this other stuff come. And so because all of these things have come with it, I understand that it's it's a divine, it's it's a part of divinity and that it's bigger than me. And so I have to tell myself, girl, watch it. Oh, girl, scale back a little bit. Oh, girl, now you know that you're going to spark a change in something when you do this. So make the right decision. And you can't make the right decision. So make sure that you always go back to the source and say, God, now you know I'm ready to cuss me a bitch out. You know this, don't you, God? You know, I'm ready to cuss him out. Maddie, don't do that because if you cuss some people out, or then he might say, Cuss them out because it's going to start a movement or ask a question because it's going to it's going to spark a conversation or, you know, and I have to understand that it is my job, (laughs) not my job. It's my assignment. It's my assignment. Finding purpose in laughter. So I understand that you have a very active and personal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And um, what is, it's wonderful to hear that because I feel that so many in the LGBTQIA mm, community, child. the letters, <laughs> all of the alphabet <laughs> in the community feel that they have been denied God. Um, And I don't think that anybody has the right to deny someone God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it is actually one of the most ungodly things that one can do. Um, So I think it is really important for people to hear how much God has played a part in not only your survival, but your exuberance, um, your joy, your laughter, um, your ability to move forward, and that it is with a thinking heart that you continue your relationship with God and continue to use him to try to make your experience on this earth and how you share it something that can change someone else's life for the better. Yes. That's what I'm getting from you. I'm so glad because that's 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 my purpose. That's what I want. I want you to get, I want people out there who feel that, you know, LBGT people are godless or God doesn't hear, communicate, talk, bless. That's all of that is a lie. It was all a lie. It was all a lie. She lied. And, you know, I just want people to understand that we are all God's creations. And I said this on my Twitter space the other day. I said, we are all God's creations, but we are not all his children. Mm. You'll know God's children. You will know God's children because God's children will be bestowed his assignments. It's his assignments. He will assign them to do these things. And I, I honestly really feel that I have been assigned. My life has been assigned, an assignment here. And when my assignment is over, he gonna bring me back. He gonna he gonna bring me back to spirit. 
None of these, none of my physical enhancements will matter. None of my, none of my breast augmentation, none of these things, none of any of this stuff will matter. I will return back to spirit, honey, until he sends me on the on the next assignment in the next life or or assigns me to be a guardian angel to someone or whatever. That's the way I, I truly feel in my heart. Uh, you read a lot of things and you hear a lot of people speak about trans people because I'm I'm not just LB, I'm just I'm trans and it's it's important for me to speak from that place because there are, there are a lot of times that people will say, oh, well, you altered what God made or you 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 went against God because God made you to be a man and you put all this stuff on to be a woman and stuff. I'm like, God breathed breath into clay, honey, and let it be what it was going to be. Everything else, like this is flesh. As long as I'm in flesh right now, I'm going to sin. I'm going to do all the things. But as long as I know that he has control on the, of the assignment that I got to do. None of that stuff you, you people said to me bothers me. None of it. And I know that I get spoken to by God because there's been so many instances where I could have been wiped off this place, but it was God that said to me distinctly, bitch, didn't I tell you last night, don't play with me? Move to the side now. I'm like, God, for real? Move. Okay. <laughs> Speeding car. You weren't even supposed to be over here anyway. I told you last night not to come around here. Now, you're going to do what I tell you to do. And I'm going to protect you. Now, there's going to be things you're going to get consequences from stuff when you making your own decisions. But understand that you are, on a, you are on a divine path that I have assigned for you. Okay, ma'am, sir, whatever. You're on the path that I have designed for you. Okay. And you're going to do what I tell you to do all the way down there to the end. And I have to know that that's, I have, ex, I have to know that that's what it is because that's the way it's, the spirit speaks to me this way. How Maddie is having the last laugh. Ownership, authorship, and opening doors for others. You have been an incredibly savvy um, thinking person when it comes to building your career, particularly with ownership, which is something we talk about a lot, but a lot of people don't actually have. In the context of the adult film industry, you were a star, but you also owned the production company. Mm-hmm. What lessons did you take from that? And how important do you think it is to have ownership over ourselves and over our own work? Mm. When you have ownership of something, nobody can really tell you what to do. Nobody. And uh, when you own it, you control the way it's presented when you're trying to resell it or when you're trying to put it out. Um, One thing that I learned... uh, uh, from that, from the business, from my former business that I, that, that I was in, is that um, <sighs> this is a world that's controlled by so many different things. And if you get a piece of control of your own thing and you're able to tell the story about it, it sounds different. It looks different when you're in control of... Uh, the narrative and when you're in control of the way it looks. I remember me sitting down with World of Wonder and uh, 
World of Wonders, the production company that produced the T.S. Masson Experience. And I'm the executive producer of my television show, The T.S. Masson Experience on WeTV. I remember me excessively stating this. If we go in business, you know, I own my name. I own this stuff, whatever. If we go in business, here's here, these are the list of things that I want. I I want a good television show. I want a show that's not going to be about me being ratchet. I want a television show uh, that's going to teach the masses that's watching something. And the takeaway is not going to be me being ratchet. And when we're creating this show, I want to see black and brown faces in the creation of the show. I want to see women in the creation of this show. I want to see all marginalized people a part of creating this show. I want to see them in in the staff, in the post-production. I want to see this stuff or I'm not going to do the deal. And because I was so adamant about that, my show employed, was responsible for employing black and brown people, LBGT people, women, and I felt really good that I had ownership of these things and I had enough power to say, this is what I wanted. And in that power of me owning these things and saying, this is what I wanted, I was able to give back to my own people. And that is one of the most important things of ownership, not just it being yours, but it being yours and you making room for people like you. And I'll definitely leave it at that. So important. I think I think that we as African American people and LBGT people, when we occupy spaces and we own those spaces that we occupy, we need to give back, give jobs to because there's been times that I was like, Well, why won't nobody why won't someone give me a chance? Well, we can't give you a chance because we don't make the decision, we don't own the thing. Okay, now I own this. Now I'm in control of this. I want to reach and say, here, 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 young T.S. Madison. Here, young Anika. Here, young, you know what I'm saying? Here. Come on in here. Now I got ownership of this. Now come on in and get you a piece of this work too. We don't have to wait outside no more. I could say Maddie is so much more than being funny. But that's not quite right because there are a few things more complex than laughter. It's a superpower she wields, and it is spectacular to watch her with it. She forces us to confront and asks us to try to understand. This kind of laughter invites us in and pushes us back when we might do harm. It is an offering, a balm, and a good hard shove out of our comfort zone. But of course, there are others who use their laughter differently, to mock, to make misguided points, to shame, and to stigmatize making that laughter a misuse of power because it requires that we meet in a space where someone is made less than. And while there are many complicated ways to try to argue against it, quite simply, we don't need to do that. We can just stop. We can just stop making black women 
gay and queer black men, trans women, and anyone else who is deemed other by the teller feel demeaned, scared, or ashamed in service of a joke. Maddie, (laughs) thank you. Thank you for making the time to speak to me. Thank you for making a workplace that will lift others. Thank you for making a show that will show. Hopefully, people will be able to see your heart and your spirit and your journey and uh, be able to learn from that. Thank you for making it through COVID. Um, And may you never be in a space where you are petrified for your life again um, because you've made a life where you have found and created your own safety and reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a wonderful thing. It is. Being Seen is produced by Harley & Company and created in partnership with Vive Healthcare.